All right. So we will begin. Uh, so like I was saying in, earlier, a lot of times what we want to do is focus on the teaching. Sometimes we don't emphasize that enough. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's just... It's, it's really not the, the way people think to resolve a problem. See, we don't look at resolving problems by growing. You know, we look at resolving problems by looking at the problem head on and trying to figure out how we can fix it. See? And, and uh, that's really depending on us. We want to approach this. We feel like we should be able to handle this. So we want to hit that problem head on and, and we can't. We cannot defeat the sin nature. It's stronger than we are. And the only way we can we can get around it or, or beat it is to depend on God's strength. And if we the only way we depend on God's strength is by taking in truth. See it's not about um, you know it, it's not about necessarily the you know fighting the sin nature. It's about nature. Now how do you get out from under that nature? You have to put on the new nature. The new nature is created after righteousness and holiness to be like God. And if you put that on, then you will automatically learn to walk in the reality that God has provided. But if you don't, you're going to continue to have that consciousness, the consciousness of the old sin nature as your reality. It just will stay there. That's what I was trying to say earlier. When we begin the spiritual life, we really do not know anything about the spiritual life, the new nature, God. We've been separated from God our whole life. And when we, when He in, brings us into the world, it's like a new baby. We don't know anything about God. We like to think we do, but we don't. So, everything, so the whole thing, the whole quest in the spiritual life is, in, is a matter of enlightening. See, many people think it's doing. Just do this and you'll be right. Just do that. It's, it's being enlightened to the truth. If you're enlightened, that's where God begins to teach you the reality of where He lives. That's what we're trying to do. Focus on that. Um, too many people are going, going the other way. They're trying to fight the sin nature. Be good. Live a sinless life. Be... Uh, obedient to the sin, you know, and, and then if they figure, if they, if they can do these and maintain these things, then God will respect them. That's not it at all. God has resolved that all those issues for you. Those are not even the issue. The issue is that you grow up. And, grow, and by growing up, we mean putting on that new nature. You already have it. Now, putting it on means to walk according to it. We're going to read a scripture real quick. It's in Ephesians regarding that. Chapter 4. And here, verse. We'll start with 20. And we'll move our way on to where he deals with this. Yes, in verse 20. So, it says, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. And he's talking about the sin nature. Okay, the sin nature had to do with, if I skip, skip back to verse 19, having lost all uh, sensitivity, uh, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. He's talking about the sin nature. That's, that's where this people live every day in, obey, in obedience to the sin nature. But then it says, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Verse 20. That, that is not how you come to know Christ. Surely you have heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. That's not the way of those who are in the family of God. Those, that's the way of people who are in Adam. There's a different way for those who are in Christ. 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self with uh, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. It's evident that your old self is corrupt. 
How do you know? Well, you can just see the manifestations of it. The deceitful desires, its lust, the carnality the, that it produces in you. The old nature is corrupt to the core. And, and we are, were taught to put off the old nature. And to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Now whenever it tells us to put something off, to, that we are to put off the old nature, it is already referring to a fact that has happened in us. We already have been created in Christ Jesus. We are already dead to the old sin nature. That's why we should put it off. We shouldn't continue to live under its lusts, its desires. We ought to put it off because we are dead to the sin nature. For you are dead and now your life is hidden with Christ and God, says Colossians chapter 3. So here, whenever it tells us to do it, this is not in our own power. We ought to do this through taking in the truth. Taking in the truth. By doing that, you are putting off the old nature. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. To be made new in the attitude of your mind is a reference to the new nature that has been given to you and planted in you when you were born again. And to put on, I'm in Ephesians 4.24, and to put on the new self. Now, when it says to put on the new self, you already have the new self. It's created in you already. Just like God separated you from the old sin nature, now he's telling you to put it off. Now, that's a matter of conduct. He's telling you, don't conduct yourself with a reference to the old sin nature anymore. See, God rescued you and saved you from the old sin nature. Now, if He did that, then that means that um, now you ought to walk according to what He has done. Live your life according to the truth of what has already happened. So, if the same thing happened, He gave you a new nature when you believed in Christ, and He imputed to you His very own righteousness, now He's, he's uh, bidding that you walk according to the truth about yourself. And to put on the new self. To put on the new self is referring to that new nature that God has provided for you. Created. Now what is, what is this new nature like? We know what the old nature like is like verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, having given themselves over to sensuality and to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. That's the old nature. That's what that's like. What's the new nature like? To be created, to be like God. In true righteousness and holiness. And that's where we have to begin to focus. How do we put off the old nature and put on the new? It is through taking in the truth. That's how it is. That's how we actually do it. It is not a matter of us, you know, pulling up our bootstraps and deciding that we're not going to do a certain thing anymore. The power comes from the new nature. How you doing? That slays the old nature. That's where the power comes from. So let's take a, have a word of prayer and then we're going to con, con, continue. Thank you, Father, for this study we are having this evening. Our, our hearts have been uh, so warmed and we're so thankful for all that you have done through, through the work of Christ. And Lord, as we approach these passages tonight... We, we, we pray that our hearts would be tuned in to your spiritual understanding. Even though we may speak word, we know that it is the Spirit who teaches us. So give us wisdom as we approach these things. In Christ's name, amen. So, look at the next verse, to be, um, 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak the truth, truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. So, it's a matter of conduct. How do you live now? How do you live? You don't owe the sin nature anything. You lived your whole life in the sin nature. You don't need, and that's your whole consciousness, your whole reality is steeped in the sin nature. And, it, and that sin nature is separated from God. Sin nature has nothing whatever to do with spiritual understanding. That's why you cannot understand the Bible through the eyes of the flesh. You cannot. It's a closed book. The Bible is a spiritual book. And you have to understand the Bible as a born-again believer. Or else, 
it's, it could might as well be a textbook for you. So if you are in the flesh, you, you cannot comprehend spiritual things. So once we are spiritual, we got to begin to focus on the message that God wants to teach us. And, and that is by, by allowing ourselves to be uh, exposed to the truth on a consistent basis. Now think about this. Here's what people do. Hey, D. People, they start off, right, where some people, one or two days a week, they figure, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the Bible. I, that, that's what I'll do. I'm, I'm going to give my allegiance to God. I'm going to read the Bible. And they figure that by them doing that, now, you know, God is, they're going to be fulfilling something that God has, has planned. But that's not it. Yeah. Somebody said, well, I can, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and be real sincere and be real earnest with God. I'm going to read my Bible and pray. But that's not enough. That's not enough. We cannot grow up on our own. God did not design this thing for us to grow. He designed that you submit yourself to a pastor, a pastor teacher. And that pastor has the information that you need to go from spiritual childhood to spiritual adulthood. That's the system that God planned. You don't have to go and dig it out for yourself. See, because this whole reality is going to unfold to you as you submit yourself to God. It's just like, you know, we talk about the sin, you know, uh, when we sin, right? What do we do? Well, we confess that sin. And what does that do? Some people might say, well, that doesn't do anything. See, you're not seeing the spiritual reality behind that. See, a religious person said, that, that doesn't mean anything that you confess your sin. So what? I want to see you do something. Right? Then I'll know. Well, see, God knows. And we're dealing with God. We're growing before Him. And this thing is not about the flesh. You cannot conquer the flesh. Did you have a question? Yes. We confess our sins. Mm-hmm. Right? He wants us to confess our sins. Why? Why? That's a good question. And the reason why, I want to go to 1 John to answer it. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 John 1.9. And as you turn in there, let me just give you where we are and why we're there. We're talking about the filling of the Spirit. And this is our third lesson on the filling of the Spirit. And this should be our last. We're going to finish it today. And then we will quickly jump over to the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you haven't heard the whole thing on the filling of the Spirit, you've got to get the, the, uh, the recordings on that. You really do. Because that's important. It, it is about, it's where the rubber hits the road in your life. So, that's where we are. We're going to finish this up today, and we're going to move on to the sealing. The sealing should not take us three lessons to finish. I hope. We'll see. 1 John, chapter 1. And let's start reading in verse 1, and we'll come to it. Let's start reading in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's talking about Jesus Christ. John is saying that this man I walked with for three and a half years, here is who he, what I've come to understand him to be. This is the eternal one, the word and the word of life. Watch verse 2. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. So now he's telling us the purpose for, you know, uh, why he's writing this. I want you to have this fellowship. It's very important. So, first of all, he tells you about this person, Jesus Christ, who he really is. We've touched him. We've handled him. We've seen him with our eyes. He's real. This thing is not a joke. I didn't invent this. This is not a clever story. This is reality. And he's telling you what he has seen. Not only is he physical, but that same physical one comes from eternity. He's the one who was from eternity past, who was with the Father in the beginning, and He has appeared to us now. So, He says the reason why, um, 
Well, look at verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. So John is saying, I'm experiencing fellowship with this person. Now we know that this person's gone to heaven, right? Jesus isn't on the earth when John is writing this. But yet, John is saying, I have fellowship with this person and the Father. Now this fellowship it must be something outside of the realm of human uh, understanding and this world. It is something outside of, of what is commonly understood. John is telling, he's writing you this so that you can also have this kind of fellowship. And this is the goal of confessing our sins. Now one of the goals or results of the filling of the Spirit is fellowship. We're filled with the Spirit. We have this fellowship one with the other. Now watch this. So Just so we'll finish out the thought. Verse 4. We, we write this to make our joy complete. In other words, John is having such uh, happiness in the Spirit through fellowship that he wants to share this happiness with us. Or this fellowship, this joy. And if, he, if we get it, then he will really be complete. Because Just because I have this great joy in me, it's not enough if you don't have it. And I'm standing up here teaching you, but yet you're not getting it. John says, I'm, I'm going to make sure you get this joy. I want you to have it. So that's why he's saying that your joy, um, it's the reason why I'm writing this, that to make our joy complete. He'll be happy and completely happy if he knows that we're experiencing the same thing he is. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So then he starts in verse 6 with the if statements. There's going to be five of them. Five if statements. And he will define for us what fellowship is. What it is to have. What do you need to know to have this fellowship? And that's why it's important that because our fellowship is something supernatural. Unbelievers can't have fellowship with the Lord. The Lord does not extend this blessing to people who are, who are unbelievers. Or, if you don't confess your sins, right, if you, if you can, are persistent in walking in the sin nature, which is natural to you, then God is saying that He's not going to walk or have this fellowship with you. So, you have to, when it comes to, you know, valuing what God has given you, you have to say, God, this is really something. I want what God has given me. Now, some people will, will look at this and say, oh, you know, my sins are more pleasurable to me. I'm going to enjoy the sin nature. That's how they'll look at it. But then they will never experience the joy of what God has given them. So we confess our sins so that we can walk with God and have this fellowship. Another result of having fellowship is that we learn truth. See, we can't learn the truth while we are out of fellowship or not filled with the Spirit. I'll come to you. We should do the same with our parents. Say it again. Say like if we do something wrong, mm -hmm. we should do, do like confess our parents too. Well, the relationship that you have with God is between you and Him. So when you sin, you are directly responsible to God. Okay. So the first thing you ought to do when you sin is confess your sin to the Lord. You just simply name, cite, admit your sin. See, it's just like, right, and the analogy I give when it comes to confessing sin is this. Just imagine if you're standing at the kitchen and you're washing the dishes and just like think about the an old pitch, a lady standing there watching and her children are in the backyard playing so she's looking over and watching the children play so one child picks up a rock and hits the other child with the rock in the face so there's a big deal you know so then the, the parents uh, the, the, the mother calls the child in and says to the child what happened out there now the parents already she already saw what happened, but why does she ask the child? You know what happened? What does she really want? She wants to tell the truth. Isn't that important that the child tell the truth? What if the child says, "Oh, nothing happened. I don't know nothing." What? What do you mean? What happened when? Now what? 
So the parent has to press a little for, for more. Out there, why, why is that child crying? What happened to that child? I don't know. I, I don't know what happened to that child. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe they fell. Right? So what are you thinking as the parent? Now it's worse, right? Because really, I mean, the, the child could get some discipline now from you. But really, the point is, is not so much that this child did something wrong because you could, you could forgive that. That's not a, but the point is that you want that child to be honest with you, to come clean. You would have rather that that child say, Mommy, I hit that child with a rock. Now, now we can deal with that. But at least, you know, the child has come clean. But when the child tries to cover it, and you already know it. You know what happened. But you want that child to realize the enormity of what they've done. That, you know, confess that I've done that. Admit that you've done that. That's all God requires. He's not saying, promise that you'll never do that again. He's not saying that. See, that, that's something totally different. He's just saying, admit that you did it. And if you admit that you did it, I forgive you. And I will cleanse you from that. You don't even have to think about that. And we can keep right on moving. You can keep right on growing, learning, enjoying the joy of my fellowship, all the benefits of that. And as long as you just, whenever you sin, and you know you sinned, right? you know you did, you need to do what? Confess it. And confess means, it doesn't mean ask for forgiveness. <laughs> Some people say, okay, Lord, I did something wrong. Will you forgive me? Well, that's not what he says. That's not what he says at all. But look, let's go to one nine. It says, and these if statements, right, we were saying, but one nine says, if we confess our sins, if we do, that means maybe we will, maybe we won't. But if we do, here's what God will do. He is faithful. Faithful, what does that mean? That means he always does the same thing. He's consistent, you know. We're not faithful, but God is. He's faithful and, and He's just. Why is He just? Because He's already judged that sin in Christ. See, that, you're not committing a sin. He says, oh my goodness, I didn't know you were going to do that. He, you're committing a sin that He judged His very own Son for. He knows you committed that sin. He always knew that you were going to commit it. And He judged that sin in Christ. So when He forgives you, He's not being lenient. Or He's not saying, oh, don't worry about the sin. He dealt with the sin. Fully. So no, now the only issue is between you and him as far as truth and fellowship is concerned. Will you walk in truth? Will you continue fellowship with him? So, and what will he do to forgive us? Now forgiving us here does not mean like when we are saved and we are forgiven all our trespasses. He's already done that. This forgiveness means restoration to fellowship. That's what it means. You'll be back in fellowship with God. So then it says, and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Usually when you're out of fellowship, you may have committed other sins that you don't even know are sins. Someone has entered the he conference. purifies you from those as well. So it's really a matter of honesty that you confess. Now, when it comes to you under the authority of another, like your parent, like if your parents uh, have the rule over you, and that's a child, it, they do, a child should be honest with their parents as well. Now, if you, you know, if your parents ask you, you know, God does not expect you to lie to your parents. But some things, you know, when it comes to, you know, it's between your growth. It's about you and God. That really, even though you're under your parents' authority, that means you have to obey the rules that they have set. Because disobeying that authority is, in an essence, disobeying God. Okay. So you have to obey the rulers that are over you. That'd be like me going out of here and robbing a bank. And I'm, you know, I could say, well, I need the money. Well, God says, you know what? You've just broken the authority. Even though it's man's law, you still are in violation of my law. Because I set that authority in place. And you just violated it. So. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, about to honor your, your father and mother. Right. So we know that we ought to do that. Uh, even in the New Testament, it tells us that we ought to honor our father and our mother. So we know that that is a command that God would have us. That is part of the way that he would have us live. So, but you, you may not even know that as a Christian. But until you know it, that's when you're responsible for it. You know? So it's, he's only asking you to be responsible. 
That's all. And to be honest. And then you can walk upright. Now, what is repentance? We're going to come to you. What is repentance, though? Repentance is changing your mind about the sin. Now, when you confess, you're not necessarily changing your mind about it. All you're saying is, I did it, God. I did it. Now, that's really all you're saying. I admit, I whatever the sin was, you name it to God. You say, God, I did that. It's not even a prayer. Heavenly Father, you, know, you don't have to go through all that. It's just confess, admit. You can talk directly to God and tell Him that you did it. He knows you did, and that's the one thing He's waiting for you to say when you're out of fellowship. He's not waiting for you to tell him about how you loved him and you sorry and man, if it, you know, if circumstances would have been different, you know, I wouldn't have done that. All these things people do has nothing to do with confessing your sin, does it? He just says, just be guilty if you did it. And I always give the analogy: if I walk right by and kick Larry's foot, Larry looks at me and says, "What did he do?" I said, "Man, if I did that, I'm sorry. Did I, am I sorry?" No, I did it. Larry's looking for me to say, excuse me, man, I'm sorry, I bumped into your foot. I did, the, you know, I did it, I'm sorry. But if I'm covering it, well, if you think I did it, then I'm sorry. You know, if that's what you think, you know, people say apologies, but they don't really have it in their heart. that they, They're not admitting anything. What they're saying is, you can place this wherever you want it. <laughs> you know, if that's what you want me to say, okay, sorry. You know. That's not sorry. You might as well say whatever. Right. So, so God is not even telling you to say, I'm sorry. He's just saying, admit. You don't have to admit to me. You don't have to admit to your parents that you've done wrong. Unless we talk about you're under that authority. Really, you have to admit to God. And once you admit to God, you may be led to admit to others. That may be something that is a result of you, but that you're back in fellowship the moment you admit to God. Okay, so it's important that we keep... Oh, I was going to say, repentance is a change of mind. And you have to know something to change your mind too. Right? What do you, if, you, if you're still, you know, you've sinned and, and you uh, are, are right in it. And, all, and you realize you're, you're wrong. That doesn't mean you change your mind about that. It just means you're sorry that you're convicted. You feel guilt that you've done something wrong. That's not a repentance. Repentance is, comes from God. It is the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Repentance comes through growth. A change of mind can only come as you are transformed into that same image. So unless you receive, you are taken in the truth, taken in the truth, you're not going to get different thoughts about those things. You're going to have the same thoughts that you had all the time in Adam. And that's why you don't have any power to... Uh, to, to basically overcome those sins. It's because you, you are still trying to fight sin with sin. Remember the gasoline analogy? You're trying to put out the fire with the holes filled with gasoline. What's going to happen? You're only going to add more fuel to the fire. So you have to remember, you have to use divine power. And the only way you can repent is that God leads you into that by taking in the truth and growing and growing and growing. Okay, you're going to say... You know, um, like you said uh, before, you know, having a pastor and he sits here and, and, and God puts that pastor here for you so he can make you grow. So anytime I get a chance to, you know, to, to ask a question, like when you're on a question like right now, being repenting mm -hmm. and, and all that, if it's a situation, because I know, I know that you know. Mm. You know I hope I know. <laughs> but really, I but sometimes I have to think, you know, the Lord has to give... Give the answer. I, I don't know but the, other than what the Word says. Okay. Like, for instance, uh, okay, I, I'm in a situation, and it's a life and death situation, mm -hmm. and I know if I come straight across and tell the truth, this person may lose, lose their life. Mm -hmm. So I, I put that little line in there, no, he didn't do it. Or mm -hmm. something to save his life. Mm -hmm. But still in all, I have to repent that. Later on, after so. What do you mean, repent that? I mean, I mean, I have to, I have to say to God, I was wrong. Well, let's put it this way. See, so what you're saying is, you were put in a position where you didn't have any choice. Yeah. You had to sin. See, 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 that's the position you felt that you were put in. Suppose that were Jesus, and where would we be today? Yeah, Jesus was put in between a lot of rocks and hard places, you know, and he he didn't he didn't yield to sin even once. So when it go ahead, we're coming to that. Always, you 
always, always have a choice. One mm-hmm. just doesn't look as good as the other. Right, right. But you have a choice. Oh, sure. Situation like what you just said, you had a choice. Yeah, you had a choice. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell the truth. Yeah, yeah. And he mm-hmm. dies, but that's a choice. You just didn't want to choose that one. But, well, but I understand what you're saying. I had mm-hmm. that choice, but that choice I didn't want to take. That choice, but to be okay with it, I still have to go through what uh, to re- uh, ask God. Yes, but what I want to, I think we want to stay with her point because her point is, and I know you're creating this, this straw situation. It's not a real situation, but we're, you're trying to put us in the point where, man, if I tell the truth, consequences are going to happen, and if I lie, well, better consequences are going to happen. Ah, that's not, that's not a, a right way to think about it. The truth is always the best, even if it hurts. Right, it's the reality. See, one day all of this is going to pass away. I mean, this whole world is built is built on the lie. Everything is built on falsehood and deceitfulness and unrighteousness. This whole thing is going to be the whole co- the cover is going to be blown off at all. And and everything that we have ever thought with regard to this realm and depended on, we're going to find to be untrue. And that's not the reality. So the truth is that we want to focus on whatever God reveals to us. And if we don't have the power, if we're weak in some area, right, that's, that's one thing. We're going to naturally go ahead and do the things that we think that, you know, that have the power over us. But if we continue to grow, the issue is not committing the sin. Remember, the sin was, was paid for by Christ. The issue is that you learn to walk in truth. Right? That, that's the issue. And grow in the truth. So don't worry about focusing. If you don't have the power, you're going to sin. As simple as that. Sin's going to overpower you. And as soon as God gives you the power right, to, to walk in the truth according to that thought, you will walk according to the truth in that area. You know, and that, you don't have to worry about the consequences. You will, God, it takes courage now. I'm not saying it doesn't take courage. It does take courage to follow the truth. Christ followed the truth that took Him to the cross. And he tells us, pick up your cross and follow me. Which means, is that easy? See, in this world, it's hard. Because you're going against the grain. The whole world is going that way. Right? That's why Jesus said, the world's going to hate you. Just like it hated me. Well, that's because Christ was walking according to the truth. His Father. I don't care what you guys are doing. I'm doing what my Father said do. And what did the world do? How did they react to him? With hatred. Rejection. And he ended up on the cross. So don't think that you're going to have a better, you know, just because you follow the truth, all the consequences are going to just fall nicely and neatly in this world. It's not going to be that way. And if you decide to live godly in Christ Jesus, what does it say? You will suffer persecution. You will suffer. And that's because we're in this world. But that doesn't mean forever. Remember, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us something that is far glorious. So we want to... These are momentary troubles. This world is only going to last for a little time. And, that look, and our life is but a vapor. We're only here for a minute. And then, it puffs, it's like a puff of smoke. It appears for one minute, gone the next. So while you're here, while your puff of smoke is visible, God is asking of you to walk according to the truth. Can you do it? See, it, remember, it is not you. All you're doing is following the Holy Spirit. Submitting. He's the one who will guide you into all truth. You don't have to get the machete out and cut your way through. The, God is saying, I'll take you. I'll take you on through the world. All you have to do is just follow. See, So we, we take the pressure off of us and it's divine power. And that's what we're talking about when we say the filling of the Spirit. It is a power. The same draw that ha- that your sin nature has on you, the same pull that you feel, that pull, God counteracts that. Not only does He take you out of the sin nature, but He now gives you a new righteous nature that has greater desire, greater influence than your whole, than your sin nature ever had. See? Now, I'll, I'll um, illustrate it by here. I hope everybody has this. Okay. You, you did, right? You had it? Good. See, so there are two ways. There's the sin nature, 
And then there's the righteous nature. That's an N. So these two natures are opposed to one another. Who energizes or gives fuel to the sin nature? Satan. And not only that, the sin nature is patterned after Satan's nature. Okay? So Satan has direct influence over your sin nature and you. When you are in Adam. Everybody is born with an old sin nature in Adam. Every single person alive. We know it, no escaping it. So, now, what God does when He saves you is He severs that nature from being your nature. And now, He puts you over here. You now have the righteous nature. That's who, now, do you, but you don't know anything about the righteous nature. You have the righteous nature, but all of, everything you know comes from the old nature. Remember, you've been cut off from the righteous nature of God. Now, who fuels? This is the Holy Spirit. He fuels the righteous nature. And He does it according to truth. Truth. That's what gives the righteous nature power. So that you can overpower the sin nature. Your sin nature is going to constantly try to put thoughts in your mind to make you think that you are still under its behest, its, its requests. But you can say no to the sin nature now. That's why there's a conflict in you. Because before, you, you were fine. You just did whatever your sin nature said. But now, you're saying, hey, you know, I, I can realize, I get convicted. I feel like there's, I feel empty unless I'm following according to God. So the Holy Spirit fuels this righteous nature. Both natures operate on knowledge. How did you get knowledge on this nature? Well, you were born in this nature. The world taught you everything you know about life. Your very reality, your conscious reality, is all bound up in the sin nature. But now, how do you learn about the righteous nature? You got to take in truth. It's like this is a flask, you know, here you got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. You start out down here. And you have no truth when you come into the new life. You, have, you know nothing about the righteous nature. And that's where they stay, right here. They don't grow at all. Because they don't know the system that we just talked about. When you're out of fellowship, give God the reins. Let Him get back in the seat. So, so here they are. But what we're supposed to be doing is growing in truth. See, so the focus is the Holy Spirit, through the pastor teacher, is teaching you Bible doctrine. And it is allowing you to grow up in the truth. When you grow up in the truth, you're finding out what this new nature is all about. And the Holy Spirit is influencing you to walk according to that true nature. See, that's the difference. That is how God, the whole, God begins to allow you to walk in truth, walk in righteousness. If you, if you submit to the, to the uh, live by the Spirit, you will definitely not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So it's a matter of growth. So you continue to take in doctrine. Take in doctrine. The more doctrine you take in, the more power and influence the Holy Spirit can get you to do to walk according to when it's in this new nature. See, so you have something brand new, but you, you just got to learn how to function under it, how to live under the new nature. And, and that's where the power comes from. It comes from that knowledge. People are minus this knowledge. This is all they know. So when they come into the spiritual life, they never avail themselves, expose themselves to the truth. And when you get the truth, trust me, you will not walk according to the flesh. You will not. There's the power. There's deliverance in the spiritual life. There's repentance. Because right? if you repent, that means you now you know something different. And that's what you turn to. This is the reality now. Okay? So, um, I'm hoping that... Yeah, yeah, we're in good shape. I'm hoping that we make these distinctions in our life so that when you get out of fellowship, that you are able... To begin to get back in fellowship. This is not just okay. Uh, I'm gonna confess my sins when I commit sins. See, rem go ahead. Repent. Repent. Well, when you change your mind, what happens when you change your mind? Really, it's a matter of God changing your mind. Okay. See, because if you just sin 
and you still think the same way you did about that sin, then you really haven't repented. You may feel the same way you did about that sin. Uh, when you say change your mind about the sin, you mean before you've actually done it? Well, when you change your mind, that means you adopt a different way of thinking about that sin. That's what repentance means. You change from to something. Okay? Just like, for instance, you bought a hat I'm at the store. I'm a klepto. Right. I pick up things that don't belong to me. Right. I always do that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm confessing it all the time. Okay. Now, for me to be a klepto, mm -hmm. uh, but repent. Right. What happens how, is... How do I feel about that sin now? Right. you got to remember, first of all, you have to throw off the guilt regarding the sin because remember God's not looking at you about that sin he's satisfied with what Christ did he knows exactly how many times you're going to do that so so let's get to the repent part well when you're in the sin nature right and you you are committing that sin is natural to you feels good right but what happens when you become saved then God gives you this righteous nature. He begins to, to give you urges to walk according to it. And there's, there's the conflict. That's where it lies. So now when you step out and you do some sin, you realize, whoa, you know, that's wrong. And God the Holy Spirit brings that to your enlightenment. Now, He does it gradually. So He doesn't just show you everything that's wrong. Well, when it comes to changing your mind is, see, you can't change your mind unless you know the truth. See, if you don't know the truth, then you can't be set free. Now, just because someone changes their mind about that sin, which is repentance? Yes, that is repentance. Does it mean that they won't do it again? Not necessarily. It just means that... Well, what it means is this. It means that I don't even think about that anymore. Okay. See, I don't, I don't think like that anymore. For instance, not, do you think... I'm not uh, saying... Um, I'm not getting excited about going out and doing it. I'm not right. Planning. You know the truth about that now. See, it's just like you, you, the, the thoughts that you have about that now are God's thoughts. So you think God is worried about going and doing that? Or He's tempted to do that? No. Because He understands the truth about why that's wrong and what's evil about it. And property. All this, the different things that understand, undergird why His righteousness would not allow Him to do that. As you begin to take on His thoughts, you adopt those thoughts as your thoughts. So that now, when it comes to doing that, you wouldn't even think about doing it because you're not interested. You don't want to do it. See, now you want to do it on the one hand. See, now God has transformed your mind to the point where you don't even want to do it anymore. See? So if you don't want to do it, would you do it? See, It's like saying, uh, you know, somebody said, well, putting your hand in the fire is pleasurable. So you say, oh, let me try that. You try, you say, oh, no, this is not working. Now, do you want to do that? No. You know, if it's something you want to do, then you do it. See, not everybody sins the same way. Some sins you do, somebody else wouldn't consider doing. And right? it's changing your mind about the sin you don't want to do it anymore. Well, you, you adopt different viewpoint about that sin. You adopt God's viewpoint. He has transformed your mind so that now your thoughts have been displaced with His thoughts. So when you think about somebody says, what about this subject? Man, God has transformed your mind. You don't even remember why you even wanted to do that in the first place. See, so He has so transformed your mind that now you are thinking like He thinks. But it doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen. See, here's what happens. If you confess your sins, that's great. Okay, that's a good thing. But that is not a means to any end other than getting you back in the place of learning. But if you don't, can, if you don't take in the truth, you, God, the power that he, uh, the Holy Spirit can exert in your life is limited by how much truth that you have. So you've got to continue to take in the Word and the truth so that you, he, can, he, can, he can have that power in your life. If, he do, if you don't take in the truth, but you're confessing your sins, what's going to happen? You're going to keep doing it because you, the power's here, taking in the truth. The power's not in confessing your sins. That gets you in the place where you can learn. That's like coming to school, but you go to sleep when you get there. It's good that you came, right? But what's the benefit? The benefit is, well, you fell asleep and you didn't get the benefit. 
So he said, well, I'm going to come to school tomorrow. Okay, come on. I'm, it's a good thing to be in school. But then you fall asleep again. So what you got to learn, not only do I come to school, I confess my sins, but now I want to take in the truth. Now I want to allow God to transform my thinking. So you know what that does? It says, like, I have to open my arms and say, okay, God, work on me. I'm the potter. I, I, you're the potter and I'm the clay. Go ahead and mold me. Do whatever you want. See, I'm submitting to you, God. So it, it has to say that I want you to do a work in me. I want you to transform my mind. I want to give up my faulty thinking. I want to allow you to, to teach me the truth. See, if you don't have that I want to, that desire, that hunger, then confessing your sin, now I'm not saying it's not good, but confessing your sins is not going to be effective because it has to be in conjunction with taking in the truth. See, and if you don't take in the truth, then the Holy Spirit can't influence you to walk according to it because you don't know it. How much truth you got? That much. How much of the world do you have? That much. In fact, we're filled with nothing but the world when we come into spiritual life. So mm-hmm. is it safe to say that repentance could be a gift from Him, from him to us? It is. In, in fact, it is talking about it is the goodness of the Lord that leads us. to. This is Romans is four. There's another verse in two. Uh, it leads us to repentance. Repentance. See, people talk about repentance, right? Somebody sins and they say, what, what do you do? Repent. Well, what, what is that? What is, it, what is that to say? Change your mind about that sin? How are you going to do that? And you're the one who committed it. Now, you liked it. That's why you did it. And, well, and now you're going to try to t- play this game that, you know, oh, you know what? I'm real sorry. I'll never do it again. That, that's not true. See, you don't even have the power to say that, to, do, to not do it again. So someone has entered the conference. It's not something that we that we're doing. It, it is something that God works in us. And how does He do it? He does it through confessing our sins. As long as we're continuing to be honest with Him and saying, God, I'm, I did it, I did it. You keep coming back and saying, God, I did it. And getting back to the place where you can take in truth. See, because if you don't say, God, I did it, then you're out of fellowship and He can't even teach you. So you didn't even come to class, right? So, so you got to keep saying to God, I, I'm, I'm available, God, teach me. And God will do what He says He will do. He will teach you. But the only thing is, you have to avail yourself, expose yourself to the teaching of the Word so that it can transform you. Therein lies the power. Is there, is there um, multiple uh, meanings for um, repentance? No, repentance means... Why, why do I have repentance? It's because you've been hearing... Yeah, you've been hearing what repentance means from the world. The world says repentance means feel sorry for your sin and change your mind about it. Right? And then, if you got some tears, that will really be nice. and Because God will know that you're really sincere. And then, don't do that sin anymore. Well, but that's not reality. See, because the reality is... And me and mommy got in since I was on the phone with her one day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said, repent. She said, no, no, no. That's not, that's not repentance. Repent. That's not what that means. Mm-hmm. But we, um, we got into something else. So like, all this time, I thought repent and confess like one and the same. No, absolutely. Two different words in the Greek. The word confess is the word homo legato, and the word repent is metanoia. Two different words, two different meanings. Confess, you're not saying to God, you're not saying anything about what you're going to do in the future. All you know is, God, I did it, I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. I, know, I wanted to do it, and I'm wrong. You know, and I'm confessing to you that I done, I've done that. You're not saying, God... God helping me, I'm never going to do this sin again. Or, or you know, uh, God, I did it this time, but I, once, uh, once you forgive me this time, if you forgive me this time, I'll never do it. You're not saying any of those things when you confess. Confess just means, God, I did it. That's it. You're opening up to God, being honest. And that, how, does that, what does that cost you to do? It costs you anything. But that is the very thing he asks you to do here in 1 John 1 9. Can you do it? If you do, then look at the results. Aren't they great results? He will forgive us. 
He's faithful and just, and He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Those are great results. And that puts God back in, in, in control of your soul. Now you can continue, can continue to be enlightened, spiritually speaking, by the Bible. Because remember, it's a dead book. It's, it's, if you're in the flesh, you cannot understand the Bible. You cannot. You're wasting your time if you're trying to read the Bible in the flesh. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. He's got to be teaching you the things that are here. I can speak the words all day long. But one day some, somebody's going, oh, I finally get what he's saying. Man, how come I didn't see that before? It's been there all the time. And well, where was I? <laughs> well, the Holy Spirit hadn't enlightened you to it. And that's where the beauty of Bible study comes in. See, Sometimes we labor to get it. When we finally get it, we're like, oh... Who taught you that? Me? I can't teach you that. I can't enlighten your soul that way. Only God, the Holy Spirit, does that. That's the beauty. That's what's so great about it all. When, when we finally do get it. And it's wonderful. So I want you to see this. That that one point. Now again, I said I have to emphasize this. Confessing sins does not get you. It does not get you. Uh, will not allow you to grow up. It is really a defensive mechanism. You're out of fellowship, what do you do? You confess to get back in. But you still got to go on down the road. How do you go on down the road? Taking in the truth. Little by little, God transforms your heart. And sometimes as you're taking in the truth and your heart is transformed, you're growing up, you're going to grow past sins. You're going to just have enough growth in you so that you're not even interested in the same sense. If you're not growing... Because, because there are other sins up here that you've got to deal with. You know, deeper strongholds to, to break. But you've got to grow before, you even get, before God even shows you those things. Remember, the issue is not sin. It's not sin. No sin can condemn you. Yeah. Did you have a question? No. Oh, okay. 